Hi, I'm Nora, and I'm the church. With that being said, I want to be clear, and I hope people hear this. Faithful Christians are going to vote for Joe Biden, and faithful Christians are going to vote for Donald Trump uh, this election. Um, and you can have a visceral reaction to both of those things I just said, and you probably need to take some time to think about what that means. Now, that doesn't um, change the reality that maybe those people in their voting process and reasoning and values and principles for coming to the conclusion to support the candidate that they chose to support. Um, that doesn't mean those are fair, accurate, or reflect the way of Jesus. Yeah, defund the church, rebuild the kingdom, ain't no doubt Time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out Yeah, let's come together, ready for change, now is the time We are one unit that is under God, let's put an end to the racial divide uh, I gotta scream it out louder, let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up Bringing unity in the community and keep the Holy Spirit all around us Yeah, yeah, defund the church, let's go I'm Frank Turner here with Pastor Justin Douglas of the Belong Collective, and I want to thank you for listening today. I want to encourage you to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. Uh, before we get into tonight's topic, Pastor, just let the listeners know why they should be listening to Defund the Church every week. Yeah, well, Defund the Church, uh, we started mainly about just saying defund the church and rebuild the kingdom and talking about issues that maybe are taboo in the church or unapproachable in our conversations and uh, saying, hey, let's have those conversations, including the conversations that just say, hey, there's certain things that need to change. And if that, uh, by using the language of defund the church, we're just saying this is really important, even to the point to where we would walk away or maybe even consider saying like, I'm not going to support this anymore. And so uh, with that being the case, we want to talk about some of the injustices that have incurred in the church and and things like that. And, and even with our topic today, like topics that maybe are taboo and the church won't talk about, or that the church is like, this is too scary to talk about. So we don't want to talk about it. And ultimately, uh, life as we know it, everything we go through is impacted by our faith in Jesus. We believe that. And so any conversation that we can have with our friends over coffee or that's happening at the water cooler at work, should be something that we're not afraid to talk about as the church. And so uh, we want to do that on this podcast and encourage churches to have difficult conversations and just seek Jesus and the spirit in those conversations. So yeah, this is, this is the place where we do that. Yeah. Amen. So tonight, uh, the topic of voting and, and kingdom or king, the kingdom and voting, however you want to phrase it, it's a very interesting subject. We're about three weeks out, I guess, from the election, maybe a little bit less. And obviously, there's a lot of things going on. We're not even going to get into some of the different <laughs> things that have been happening. But just, it feels like, and you can touch on this, Pastor, it feels like we've never been more divided, not as just a nation, but as a church. And I feel like I've seen more videos and more posts of people saying, if you're a Christian, then you can't possibly vote for XYZ on both sides, right? Republican and Democrat. I've seen people say, hey, if you're a Christian, you can't vote for Trump. There's just no way. You just lost. You just lost, you know? Or if, you, you know, if you're a Christian, there's no way you can vote for Biden and Harris. And so, you know, a lot of times when we hear the, 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 I wouldn't say the rhetoric, but we hear the talk about when pastors try to get up and tell you how you should vote, it sounds kind of right-leaning, right? Like you should focus on the principles of what God thinks and things like that. And so it, it, I think there's a lot more nuance in that. But before we 
before I kind of share my, my opinion on that, I just want you, you to jump in and weigh in on kingdom and voting and how we should be approaching this as Christians in this uh, election season. So we can take about as deep of a dive as we want on this one. Um, it's um, a topic that many books have been written about prior to our current situation and um, where we're at currently. I think the, the, the divisiveness that you've um, seen and been exposed to is um, probably some of the worst in American history. I think that's fair to say. I, I think we're in a new unprecedented place with the way in which, I mean, I even think to what will likely be our only presidential debate and just how much of a difficult thing that was to watch. Um, and I only watched the highlights the next day and I couldn't even get through like five minutes of highlights. Um, largely because none of us are training our kids to talk to each other like that. Yet we're watching our two leaders talk to each other like that and um, interrupt one another and not give, you know, any time. So like uh, we've, we've come to a place where we're not listening to each other and that's unfortunate. With that being said, I want to be clear and I hope people hear this faithful Christians are going to vote for Joe Biden and faithful Christians are going to vote for Donald Trump uh, this election. Um, and you can have a visceral reaction to both of those things I just said. And you probably need to take some time to think about what that means. Now, that doesn't um, change the reality that maybe those people in their voting process and reasoning and values and principles for coming to the conclusion to support the candidate that they chose to support. Um, that doesn't mean those are fair, accurate, or reflect the way of Jesus. I'm just saying, there's faithful Christians that are going to vote both ways in this election. So saying you can't be a Christian and vote for this candidate is to deny a lot of things. Our, our Christianity is not attached to who we vote for and support. Um, and um, I, I think that's really important. And again, that's really hard for some of us because we do see this election as an either or kind of situation, which obviously every election isn't either or, but this particular one, there's so much on the line. So let me break that down a little bit. Why I say that though, going back to the first century, the time of Jesus, Jesus is incredibly political, like incredibly political. Like I would actually love for Jesus to come back to America right now because he would say things that would frustrate people on both sides and he would be incredibly political jesus would talk about children in cages i'm sorry but he would <laughs> he would talk about families being separated um, he would talk about uh, every political issue under the sun because he did that in his time so to say the gospel is not political is to deny the life ministry and teachings of jesus so I think first and foremost is to say, for example, here, here's a great example that most people know. Um, uh, and I could go on and on about this, but let's just say when, when, when Jesus has brought a coin and has handed a coin and said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Um, and it's like this, this image of like this, this, uh, this debate that was hot in that day. You had a large group of people who said, we're not paying Caesar anything. Because Caesar is wicked, evil, 
dictator, terrible person, um, occupying our country. We do not have freedom because of this individual, because of what this individual represents. We refuse to pay taxes and you should too. That was a political position. There was another political position, which was kind of the position of appeasement. We need to give this to Caesar because we need to appease Caesar. Because if we don't appease Caesar, they're going to take more than they've already taken. You think we're not free now. We could be even less free. Both of these positions are positions of fear. And, and Jesus steps in and is like, they're asking him to choose a side, either or. And he's like, whose face is on the coin? Eh, give to Caesar what Caesar's. And it's like, he doesn't choose a side. He's not partisan in this conversation. Now he advocates for giving it to Caesar, but not for the reasoning of appeasement, just for the reasoning of that's not that important. Like <laughs> it's his, it has his face on it. Just give it to him. Uh, in essence, God, God will take care of you. Like this isn't that, you know, there was an aboveness of the partisanness of his day, even as he discussed politics. It's also important to recognize that, in ancient Rome, no one got a vote. Like this wasn't a democracy. <laughs> really, really important to recognize that Caesar did not give you a vote in whether or not a particular policy went into effect. So Jesus is not preaching or teaching in a way that is encouraging you to advocate for a particular way of voting or supporting politicians instead a way of living your life the struggle and the rub becomes what happens when caesar gives you a vote that's the world we live in we live in a world where the empire that is not the kingdom and it's really important to recognize america is not the kingdom whatever new jerusalem mentality you've been handed as if we are some shining city on a hill um you need to consider undoing that theology because Christ came for the world, not America, and we are not exceptional. And uh, that might be hard to hear, but it's just the truth. I, at least theologically, we're not exceptional. I literally uh, was on a text thread today with friends who were talking about all the different kind of Bibles that are marketed to suburban white people. And one of them is the patriotic Bible. <laughs> it's an actual thing that taught that that literally weaves in American exceptionalism into the Bible that you can study, you know, at the same time as you're reading the Bible. So we have this in our history. And the reason it's important to recognize that, like, that, that, that isn't the way we should understand God's call is because we are not supposed to advocate for America first. I'm sorry. It's just not kingdom first is what we're supposed to advocate for. So when we talk about voting in kingdom, any politician who's like America first, you might say, I agree with that policy. That makes sense. That's a common sense policy, but we need to be very cautious to be selfish in this and to be about our empire um, above all, because we are kingdom first the kingdom of God first. This is what Jesus said over and over and over again. It is like this in the kingdom. And then he would teach a parable. He was constantly trying to bring his followers to a vision and an awareness of the kingdom of God in the here and now. What complicates it for us is we get much more of a say in the here and now. And in Jesus' time, they didn't get a say. Caesar did what Caesar did, and you just dealt with it. And you had to be persecuted. And you, had to, you, didn't, you didn't get a say in freedom. You didn't get a say in that. We actually get a vote for different things and get to have a say. And that's actually good. I think that's, um, 
there's tons of value in that. So I'm not, I'm not saying I want to go back to ancient Rome. Don't hear me saying that. I guess I'm saying to say this is what Jesus would definitely advocate for. He would, he would vote for this candidate. I think Jesus would come and be above the whole thing. He would definitely not be partisan on either side. There would be an aboveness. And so we should be thinking about that in our way of engaging politics and be very careful to become partisan. Um, I think that's my initial thoughts. I got a little more, but I want to hear what you have to say, Frank, about uh, voting and the kingdom and this intersection of us being kingdom people in a world where Caesar gives us a vote. That was some really, really good stuff before I even answer. I never considered the we're in the empire getting a vote. Uh, that, that was a good re revelatory thing. And I think that's one of the great things that we have here is a lot of times people come and have their opinion, but they're not listening. And I think, you know, one of the most important things is, you know, even doing this podcast for myself, it's like, I got to be able to learn, you know, e even, even in this time. So I just learned something, just perspective change, even in that. Uh, what, I, what, I, what I will say is, and kind of seconding some of the things you're saying, is we have got to remove ourselves from the divisiveness of, mm. if you label yourself, like sometimes people say, well, I'm a, I'm a you know, conservative, and you know, that means a certain thing. And it's like, if, so if I don't identify as conservative, it's like, but again, we're putting labels over the kingdom. We're saying, well, I'm this. It's like, no, you're kingdom, right? You can be kingdom liberal. You can be kingdom conservative. There are different ministries, right? We talked about this before about don't criticize the, the watering and the planting ministry. God grants the increase. There are people who are hearts are going to bleed for, as you said, children locked in cages. There are going to be people whose hearts bleed for children who are, you know, aborted before, you know, term, you know, right? Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm not even talking about any of the conspiracy, like, hey, full term abortion, crazy stuff like that. I'm talking about the literal, you know, abortions that happen. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's, it's okay to have a passion for these things. I guess, you know, we need to realize that God is so much bigger than an election. And he, and it's like, he can't lose. So it's like, we have to got to get out of the mindset of a lot of us, and even myself, you know, depending on how you feel, you might be like, oh my God, what is going on? There are people going to wake up on November the 4th, 2020, and think that the end times are coming. They're going to start reading the Bible saying, well, here is, this is it, the dragon, all this and that. And, and, I, and I say that how, how selfish, how small-minded are we that we think that trials in this country, which is still amazing when you think about the things that are happening in other countries, other parts of the world, that the election would now sway the end times, you know? And, and it's, it's, almost, it's almost as ignorant as when people would say the world's going to end when the ball drops in New York. I'm like, you know, the world, you know it's been the new year for about 16 hours in other parts of the world. So this is going to wait till it gets to New York and it's going to end there. A very ethnocentric mindset, you know, very myopic perspective that yeah. this country has. And so we have got to get out of that, right? And, and, and so it's not to say that you don't have somebody you want to vote for. And that I say you don't have, you know, certain issues you look at. I think that's very important. I think it's very important to understand the history of the country and be an informed voter, right? Based on what you understand, you know, what's best for you in the platform. And I also think that you have to understand that people are not going to see the world the way you do. And nobody has the right line on truth except for Jesus. So until he makes everything right and everything new, we are not going to agree on everything. We have got to find a way to, to love those who have different opinions than us. 
I mean, this idea of unfriending and blocking people, you need to stop. If you're doing that, I would encourage you to, to, to just sign off social media, deactivate your account until you can get control of yourself. You have got to be better. And not because you agree and not because you, but because we have to be uh, an example. We have to show the fruits of the spirit and giving up on people and saying, well, I don't, you know, our, we cannot value our opinions over what God is trying to do in this season. And God is trying to do something way beyond the 2020 election. The 2020 election is not a referendum on God. It might be a referendum on where we are in America and COVID, but God is, is, is beyond. We're in a linear time. God is, we're in a temporal existence. God is eternal. Mm. Time is what God invented for us to, to live life how we're doing it, right? Time is, 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 is the instrument he's given us to live and do the good works of the kingdom. He doesn't exist in this. He doesn't have any concern over this election. Not in a, not in a sense that he's not in control and sovereign of everything and sovereign over everything, and we have got to embrace that God's sovereignty over anything. That doesn't mean you don't vote. I do believe you should vote. And I do believe, and like I said, this isn't necessarily the positive we get into all voter suppression things like that. Those things are real. They have happened, right? And there are and there are those issues. But at the same time, God is working His plan, and He has not failed. He has not made a mistake. And so we have got to, you know, deal with these labels we have put on each other, liberal, conservative, moderate, and realize that those man-made labels are only causing division. And if you're using those labels to identify and isolate yourself into a group of, you know, Christians that think like you, you're missing the point. You're really missing mm -hmm. the point. Well, Frank, I think you said a lot there. Really good. Um, really good stuff. I, I think we have to be cautious to so quickly divide. We definitely live in a time where the moment someone says something we disagree with, we can write them off. I do think there's something to be said for being friends with someone socially on social media or whatever, and choosing to mute them because maybe what they're saying is toxic or it's just got to a point to where it's not, it's not life-giving and ultimately it's affecting your way of using that platform and doing that in as gracious and loving a way as you can, uh, maybe trying to speak truth into it, but also expressing a, a boundary. I think that's fair. But in a lot of our spaces now, the moment someone says something, we don't move toward empathy and trying to understand where that person's coming from. So in the 2016 election, I could not believe some of the people that I knew that were voting for Trump. Just be, I'll just be honest. I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe the man won the Republican like nomination <laughs> amidst the amount of people they had running that were, that ultimately had platforms that were just much built on much more integrity than Trump. And, and I'm not trying to be political here. I'm just saying, I, I don't think you could deny that, especially when the, uh, the Access Hollywood tape came out, you know, and um, some of the comments he made about John McCain came out. I was like, these are, these are like nails in the coffin, right? And then I just kept seeing this like excuse making for those things. And it became very hard for me until I started listening. When I started listening in 2016, what I found was that people were voting because they, for this candidate, not because he had integrity. Now they might try to explain it away. Well, no one has integrity, so who cares? Like, and that, and kind of equivocate it. Does that make sense to the other side? 
But really what they were voting for, the more and more I listened, the more I intently listened in 2016, and I, I'm not going to diagnose 2020, but I'm just jumping back four years. What they were voting for was the Molotov cocktail that they could throw into the whole system that wasn't working for them. And the more I understood that, the more I was like, you know what? My friends in Indiana who have had factory after factory close and opportunity after opportunity cease to exist in their reality, largely because of politicians making decisions in Washington and even in Indianapolis and the state. Does that make sense? Like, they just want to stick it to them. And this guy represents an opportunity to just throw a wrench in the works. Like, let's do it. Like, you know, um, there's a certain part of me that's like, I understand that. I, when I listened, I could understand why they would get behind this candidate, even amidst a lot of red flags and red flags that would have been red flags in 2012 and 2008 and 2004, all the other presidential elections they've ever voted for. These would have been big red flags for them. Right. Um, so I think the more we listen, the more we might understand. Here's what I think is important. Understanding someone's perspective and empathizing with it doesn't mean you agree with it. That's so important. <laughs> you can understand somebody, you can empathize with them and not agree with the decision they're making. Um, and we've kind of made it to where if you understand someone and you show the slightest ability amount of empathy toward that person, then you must be on their side because we've just made our worlds partisan either or. And so I think it's important for us to import more empathy while also saying, I don't agree with that, but I understand. I can see where you're coming from. I can, I can, you know what? Your experience is a unique experience. I've never had a job taken away from me the way you had that job taken away from you. I've never had a factory close and be sent overseas and then literally being able to see the policy attached to that and a particular person with an R or D next to their name that supported that, that was my job, my livelihood for my family, my ability to pay my mortgage attached to that um, and wanting to kind of get even in some ways with your vote. Hey, totally fine. So how do we empathize while also saying it's okay that we disagree? Now. I just want to quickly say, Frank, did you have something to add to that? You can go ahead if you, if you had something to add to that. I don't want to um, cut you off. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to jump back in later, but go ahead. Okay, okay. So I, I just want to say when we get back to voting in the kingdom, so, so how we vote, um, certainly trying to understand how other people vote and empathize with them and, and understand them. Um, when I think of Jesus' most political statement, I think it was when he went into the temple and flipped the tables. And it's really important that we recognize the flipping of tables would have frustrated the religious leaders for a number of reasons. But mainly, they gave Rome uh, the idea that they could control their people. Does that make sense? Like, like, just let us have our freedoms. We can control it. But when Rome was really watching the most. Like if you've ever been an employee and your boss shows up to watch you teach or to watch you train or to watch you do your job, you're always doing it a little more like with, oh my gosh, like if I mess something up, my boss is watching. Like I could do it 364 days of the year perfect. And then 365, he shows up and he's standing in the corner watching me do my job. It gets a little scary. During Passover, 
Rome was very aware and present that there was a large number of Jewish people in Israel for Passover in Jerusalem, and ultimately there to celebrate the Passover when God freed them from slavery. They are now being occupied by their new kind of slave masters, Rome. And that's really concerning for a Roman occupation that's afraid that these people may rise up, right? And so they would be watching for this. And you would have dagger men who would go in and kill Roman soldiers in the middle of Passover every year as political statements and this attempt to create an uprising. So they would be very, uh, they would be watching the temple. They would be watching the practices. They would be watching how this goes on. And Jesus walks into the temple and sees that ultimately there's all of these money changers who are exploiting people and upcharging the cost for, um, for sacrifices. So the way that you communed with God in this particular time was that you made a sacrifice. Imagine the entire year planning how you're going to make your Passover sacrifice, showing up with a certain amount of money and it not being enough to connect with God. And ultimately because someone is greedy and exploiting. And what does Jesus do? He walks in and flips tables over. And like, I mean, he must have been so infuriated with how God's name was being used in vain in this way. Does that make sense? Like the name of God was being attached to this greed um, in, in, in order to manipulate who? The least of these, because that's who it was. It was the people who did not have the financial ability to make a sacrifice that were being manipulated in this way. It would ha- he would have known the political statement he was making that ultimately like an uprising was in the works because that kind of action would have been seen by Rome. But Jesus said, I'm willing to make whatever statement necessary on behalf of the least of these. That's why he does that. We often go back to like, well, he's protecting the name of God. Well, I think he's protecting the relationship um, that God has with the least of these, with the poor who are being denied access. Um, And uh, I think as we consider voting, as we consider how we go in and fill out our ballot, I think we should consider what tables need to be flipped over. Uh, What ways the least of these are being denied justice um, in our communities? Because Jesus consistently, consistently comes back to advocating for the least of these. And um, we should be advocating for them too in our vote. If your vote is more motivated by what it's going to do for you uh, than the least of these, I think you might just want to go back and reread some of the words of Jesus on, the, on when, when, he, when he references the least of these and how important that really seems to be toward his ethic and worldview because we're called to have those same lenses as we interact in our world. Um, so I think that's kind of my charter as we go out and vote is just to say, let's think about the least of these. Let's think about the marginalized. Let's think about experiences that maybe aren't our own and especially want to speak to my white brothers and sisters who often have a position of privilege that don't necessarily cause them to have to be aware of the experience of the least of these in our country. So hopefully you can grow in an awareness and see some of the injustice that exists in our world and advocate for shalom to enter into those unjust systems. And who knows, God might actually use your vote to further that in this space. And God might also say, you know what, 
I'm going to do something completely outside of the political powers to bring that about. And God can bring justice in any way. And so uh, we want to believe that. But ultimately, the influence that we get, the ballot that we get handed, who knows, maybe uh, we can use that uh, for some ability to support the way of Jesus. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick pause right there. Uh, be sure to tune in next week when we finish the discussion on the kingdom and voting. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and other major podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom. Thank you.